We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It is Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Chris Biederman. Kyle Madsen is out today, so we have a very special guest. It's Joe Fan uh, of Joe Fan fame. You might know him. He's a host and brand ambassador for WinBet and Blue Wire Pods, and he's the host of the Bet to Win podcast. So let's go. Blue Wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. What up, dude? How we doing? Oh, I'm I'm good, man. I'm a little exhausted. Been uh, I'm actually I'm I'm super lucky. I'm in Tahoe right now. Um, I'm I'm working or covering the uh, the American Century Championship, the celebrity tournament. Talking to people for a bunch of stories for the paper. Um, so I cannot complain. It's absolutely beautiful out here in Lake Tahoe. And if you've been to the Edgewood Golf Course, you know that it's it's stunning. So having a lot of fun but also like walking around eight miles a day just following people on the golf course and all that but uh but how are you man it's it's been a while we needed some of your alpha energy back on the pot <laughs> yeah i don't know about that i'm, I'm good man Vegas is good it's getting hot um and you know it's it's interesting on our podcast i'm, I'm kind of doing these uh divisional betting previews when we go division by division and it just kind of makes you realize yeah, it's early June, but it doesn't feel that far away from training camps. And the NFL offseason is just so long. And especially not covering a team as a beat reporter anymore. I just sort of lose interest in the offseason pretty quickly. Um, you know, the draft's really fun. Free agency for a week is fun. But beyond that, it's just such a a spinning of the wheels media circle and cycle uh, that we, you know, kind of endure on a weekly basis. So, um yeah, I mean, I'm excited for, for football to be on the horizon. Yeah, so we, we brought you in because we wanted to break down um, the NFC West, and we'll do that in a sec. But I, I do want to start with the Baker Mayfield trade going from uh, Cleveland, where he was obviously disgruntled and, and neither side seemed particularly thrilled with one another. And, and the Browns obviously brought in Deshaun Watson. Um, Cleveland's picking up 
about 10 and a half million uh, of Baker Mayfield's guaranteed salary and sending him to the Carolina Panthers who are sending back a conditional fifth round pick. And obviously that's important for us uh, on this podcast because there are implications for Jimmy Garoppolo. And if Deshaun Watson gets suspended for a year, which looks like a very real possibility, the Browns might be in the market for a quarterback. And Jimmy Garoppolo is about the only one on the market uh, who could potentially lead that team to the playoffs, given how good that roster is. Um, So a few things here, like we don't know that the Browns are necessarily interested in trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. They do have Jacoby Brissett. Um, In my opinion, I would probably rather have Jimmy Garoppolo over Jacoby Brissett if I had a win now roster like the Browns do. But Joe, looking at the situation from, from your standpoint, do you think the Browns have to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo to, to salvage this season? And uh, and what do you think the 49ers viewpoint should be um, given that Baker Mayfield's now away from Cleveland and and the Panthers have now been removed from the, the Jimmy Garoppolo discussion? Is how, how do you view this whole thing? Yeah, you know, I think the gap's probably not as big uh, between the two quarterbacks as Niners fans would probably want to believe. It's also really hard to judge them given the situations and circumstances both quarterbacks have played. I think Jimmy has been benefit to one of the the best and deepest rosters in the NFL when he's been healthy and Jacoby Brissett has been a top there. Sorry, a a stopgap guy on rebuilding teams. No, I would also, I would prefer Jimmy and it would make sense for the Browns to call and given what they gave up for Baker, you know, if it's a fifth conditional fourth, uh, or conditional fifth, potentially uh, moving to a fourth. He plays 70% of the snaps. Uh, it's certainly the ceiling of the price tag you'd get for Jimmy. It's funny looking back with the reports that John Lynch had floated out there that, you know, the Niners are sitting on a couple different offers for second round picks. And it was, you know, an obvious smoke screen then, but it looks even funnier now where it's like, well, if you had it, you should have taken it because you're not getting anything anywhere close to that now. Um, but I mean, we, again, there's Harper, nothing that wasn't even a real thing. Um, and, and at least in my expectation, I'll give John Lynch credit that he, he wouldn't have turned down such a deal. I'll give him that benefit of the doubt. Well, also um, like a trade, a trade couldn't have happened if Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't pass a physical. Yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah there's always right. that. Yep. Um, so I think with, for the Niners, from the Niners standpoint, I don't obviously the fact that he's still on the roster is sort of shocking. I think they're just hoping to get anything. So they don't have to release him and give him the opportunity potentially to go to Seattle, who I think would would jump at the opportunity to sign him as a free agent. Um, but the Browns are it certainly makes sense. If nothing else, just have him compete uh, with Jacoby Brissett. The thing is, they have to make sure the dollars and cents work out, and it might be the Niners eating some of that contract just the way the Browns did with Baker. Um, there's just no way you're paying all of those quarterbacks. You know, between Baker, Jacoby Brissett, I know Deshaun Watson's not making much money this year and with his, you know, basically suspension insurance in that first year of his contract in Cleveland. But um, there are a couple wrinkles to, to uh, you know, wrinkle out and wrinkle out, a couple wrinkles to wrinkle out. Good, good English, Joe. <laughs> iron out, iron out the damn wrinkles. That's what you do with those. Um, but yeah, I think, I think Jimmy to Cleveland makes sense and is one of the, the few locations, maybe that in Seattle, that, that do make sense for him if any team's going to come calling. 
Yeah. So I think what's really sort of fascinating about this from the 49ers perspective is they need to figure out, okay, we obviously would prefer to get something back for Jimmy Garoppolo, but to your point, and I agree with it, it's, it's pretty clear that the 49ers would have to pick up a substantial amount of that $25 million um, salary that, that he's due this year. And I would ask the question, like, is it worth it for the 49ers to pay Cleveland somewhere between 10 and $15 million to send back a day three draft pick, right? Like is a day three draft pick worth 10 to $15 million or would you rather just save the entire amount 25 and 25 million and change or whatever it is, and then just let Jimmy Garoppolo pick his next destination like to me, I think it it does make more sense for the 49ers to release Jimmy. And I know people say like there there's been this this feeling, at least on Twitter, and, and it's on Twitter, so I don't really know how real or substantial it is. But among fans, like, oh, the 49ers would look so bad if they had to release Jimmy Garoppolo. It's like, well, would they? Because they didn't really lose anything by holding on to him at this uh, this long, because the money was never Jimmy Garoppolo's money was never an impediment to their spending whether it be in free agency or working out new contracts to Nick for Nick Bosa and Debo Samuel, because those contracts have nothing to do really with Jimmy Garoppolo's money because they're those dollars are being pushed into 2023 and 2024 and all of that. So I, I understand why the 49ers would wait out the situation and just say, Hey, maybe all we have to do is wait a few months and maybe we can get a draft pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think, given that he's going to start throwing at some point this month, it probably means he's unlikely to practice until sometime in mid August. And then at that point, like why, what, what purpose does it serve you to really try to hold out for a trade when you will have to pay so much of that salary just to get that third round pick back? Does, does any of that track for you? Like, are you in agreement with me in that, it seems kind of likely the 49ers will just end up releasing Jimmy Garoppolo at this point. I think it is. And that's probably what the Browns will sort of bank on. It's like, why do we have to give up? No one else is going to give up a day free pick. Why do we have to, you know, we can just, you know, pay him and have him come and say, Hey, you're going to be our starter. Um, You know, for however long Deshaun Watson suspended, they also probably want a conclusion to that saga before giving up a day free pick for him. It doesn't make sense to give up a pick when they're not sure how that's going to play out. Uh, you know, if it's four games, they say, okay, it's percent. If it's eight or nine, okay, we should probably get Jimmy. If it's the full season, okay, we have to have Jimmy. Uh, but that's important information you would want prior to making that deal. To me, if you're the Niners, it does make more sense, even if Cleveland is calling and offering that, to save the money and just release him, unless they are super concerned with not wanting to play him as a Seattle Seahawk. Um, And that would be more about kind of just relationship and sentiment more than just purely a dollars and cents sort of deal. Um, But that, that to me seems like the only reason why you wouldn't release him at this point, because there's not going to be some magical offer with a day two pick that comes out of nowhere. It's just not happening. Um, So, and then I think with fans on Twitter, you know, this is a guy who was hurt, couldn't throw the football, got surgery late, pushed that back. I don't know how that offer was never there. And so if anything, the Niners just hoped it would come and it seems pretty evident it's not going to now, but 
Yeah, I, I would I would disagree with folks on Twitter, you know, as you and I so often do, um, <laughs> that it's not a bad look if they release them. I just can't believe it hasn't happened yet. I just think it's, you know, I, I guess it doesn't hurt until training camp opens. It doesn't hurt to to wait and write it out. But, you know, it sort of has been something that everyone's been asked about every time there's been a media availability for the whole offseason. So, um you know, and it's, again, it's another one of those things that can tell it happens. You're like, when's it going to happen? I don't know. Like, <laughs> you know, you feel confident that it will, but it, it's sort of like the Debo Samuel contract situation. Like uh, the DK Metcalf contract situation. I remember covering the Seahawks last year before Jamal Adams got paid. You're like, I, I have faith that he's going to get paid and it's going to happen, but it's a storyline until it doesn't, or sorry, until it does happen. So yeah, I mean, that's why we're still talking about it and we'll continue to until there's a resolution. So you bring up something f- interesting with the Seahawks um, because I hadn't thought about the Seahawks really wanting Jimmy Garoppolo because every, I, I mean, from, from my standpoint, everything I, I've heard, and this isn't anything like, you know, sources or anything. It's just based on how I've been reading the coverage of the Seahawks. It's that they seem pretty content with their quarterback situation and Drew Locke and, um, I'm just, I, I find that f- fascinating and kind of hilarious that they would be, but so you, I mean, you've covered the Seahawks for a while and, and you're from the area. You think they would, the, you, you think Seattle would be really interested in Jimmy Garoppolo if he became a free agent? I think so. Why not? Especially you can bring him in camp and have him, you know, say, it's, you know, it's going to be a Pete Carroll, obviously say it's competition and then go out and win the job and, have a guy playing is is the vision he knows well against his former team. I, I think certainly, you know, and like the style that the Seahawks would look for uh, in terms of, you know, philosophy would fit Jimmy Garoppolo's profile pretty well in terms of, hey, you're going to need to hand the ball off a lot and, you know, just pick up clutch first downs on third down. Jimmy Garoppolo, one of the most efficient passers in the NFL on third down, it's going to be a run first approach. You need to be a game manager and just not lose us the game. Um, the issue becomes you have two of the, the game's best deep threats, Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. And that is certainly an issue for Jimmy Garoppolo. So if there's a hindrance there and an obvious con to him going there in terms of analyzing the fit, that's it. Uh, but yeah, I also have a hard time. That's why I, I kind of always believed that they were, you know, maybe not going to trade for Baker, but had Baker been, released they would be in on him because Baker at least offers you the bigger arm and maybe there's some potential untapped upside of being a number one a former number one overall pick but yeah I'm with you it it just doesn't seem like it's in Pete Carroll's DNA to say yeah we're good with Drew Locke and Geno Smith and here we go and I think fans are going to be super bummed about it because I think everyone's expecting to tank this year and hopefully draft a quarterback in the top five or top ten next year Um, but again just with Pete Carroll and his age just that seems like a surprising route he'd be willing to accept, but who knows? Yeah. So one one thing you said a little bit earlier that I, that I would push back on, you said that you don't think the 49ers would want Jimmy Garoppolo in Seattle. I kind of disagree because I think like having watched training camp, the like all since Jimmy Garoppolo got there, I never got the feeling that the 49ers defense was all that like, Whatever, like, feared Jimmy Garoppolo 
you know, like there, you had the practice that, you know, the infamous practice in 2019 where they intercepted him on five straight pass attempts and team drills. Um, you know, it, Jimmy Garoppolo would have his moments in training camp for sure, but the Niners defense had always been so good. And, you know, Fred Warner would always talk all sorts of shit to Jimmy Garoppolo, like, you know, it friendly sort of competitive banter, not like, not like anything nasty. Like there was any dislike there, but the way the 49ers defense had practiced against Jimmy Garoppolo and the way, the way Kyle Shanahan had sort has sort of coached Jimmy Garoppolo in that, you know, like not being aggressive with him in, you know, end of half scenarios or, um, you know, really trying to avoid situations where Jimmy Garoppolo would throw interceptions, like given all that stuff to me, I don't really think that Kyle Shanahan would fear Jimmy Garoppolo all that much, even if Jimmy Garoppolo was in his own division. Yeah, I, I must not have made my point very well. I don't think that the Niners are afraid of Jimmy Garoppolo. And I'm saying that's the only justification for like holding on and hoping for a trade. Okay. Okay. That you would miss out on something. I mean, right. Yeah. I, I don't think it makes practical dollars and cents sense to pay half his salary for a day three pick and, and waste that money when you could just let him walk and just see what happens with his career, where he goes next. The only reason you wouldn't do that, in my opinion, is if you didn't want him in Seattle was the point I was trying to make. Okay, and I got you. For all the points you. you just made, I would be surprised if, if they were like, man, we don't want to face that guy twice a year because that just wouldn't make a whole lot of sense given what we've seen over the last couple of years where he really never – took the big step forward, which is why he's in the situation he's in, which is why the Niners invested three first round picks in Trey Lance. Right. Okay. So let's move on then to the NFC West. Um, The Rams won it 12 and five last year. The Cardinals went 11 and six made the playoffs. The Niners of course went 10 and seven made it with their week 18 win over the Rams at 10 and seven, three, three playoff teams in the NFC West. Um, I'll just ask you as somebody who, you know, studies these teams and is, and is looking at betting markets and odds and and trends, like, where are you at with the NFC West? Do you think there are three possible playoff teams, um, in this division again, or do you think the, the Niners and Rams might pull away from the pack a little bit, or are you having, um, are you concerned about the idea of of you know the 49ers starting a, a first year quarterback or a first time starter in Trey Lance and and their and how that impacts their ability to make the playoffs. Just where are you at big picture in the NFC West? Yeah, I think it's possible for three teams to make it again, given that A, there's three wild cards now as there was a year ago. And then B, the NFC in general is totally wide open. I mean, okay, you said the Cardinals aren't going to make it this year. Well, who will? Are the Vikings that much better? Um you know, there were already two teams for the NFC East last year. Uh, you know, how good are the Saints going to be? Um, are they going to take a big step forward uh, this year? I just who are you banking on? Um, and so, yeah, I think it's – I have faith in the Niners and Rams, obviously the Rams, and then the Niners making the playoffs. And I don't – I'm not betting on the Cardinals. Certainly after they choked last year after being 10-2 and two and going 4-6 and – uh, sorry, 2-4 and four the rest of the way over their final six games – and not winning the division, I don't have any faith in them, you know, being one of the top teams in the league, but you don't have to be to get the seventh playoff spot. Um, 
so yeah, I don't think the the Cardinals got better. Um, I think the Niners sort of. I don't know if they got worse, but it's it just all comes down to whether Trey Lance is up for the challenge or not. Um, and I think, you know, when you look at divisional odds, I think it's Rams at plus one, like 110. Niners are like plus 160. That's just not enough value to, to stray from the Rams, who to me are much more of a sure bet, who I think also kind of kept status quo uh, in terms of, of roster year over year and Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay. Um, the unquestioned top quarterback coach, you know, combo in uh, the division until we see what Trey Lance is all about. So yeah, it's, I guess it's, I don't know. It's a kind of a wishy-washy answer, but it, it, I don't have a ton of faith in the Cardinals. I'm confident in the Niners, but that's just because of my belief in Kyle Shanahan and like the rest of the, the roster and the depth in the roster there. But you know, anytime you start a quarterback for the first time, you have no idea what you're going to get, even if he's top five pick. So taking that to the bank would be foolish and betting on, it, I think would be foolish, but ultimately could the, or could the NFC West have three teams in the playoffs? Absolutely. With, you know, absolutely. Because you look at Dallas and Philly, I feel probably pretty confident the Packers are there and you have the Bucks and maybe the Saints, but it's wide open once you get through the Bucks and Rams and maybe Packers, but you know, Rogers without Devontae Adams, I'm curious how that goes. Um, Anyways, that's a really mumbled, jumbled, wishy-washy way of saying it could happen. But um, I do think the division overall is, is down. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, I, I would <clears throat> I would agree with you. And and I'm curious about the Seahawks because to me, I mean it if you look if if, if your takeaway from the Seahawks is that they're offseason, I mean, like if your takeaway is okay, they're just tanking and they want, you know, to find an, a, a new quarterback to build around long term then the off season that they've had makes sense. But on the other hand, Pete Carroll, I mean, I think you've been as critical of Pete Carroll as anybody and you used to cover him. I don't know that like Pete Carroll 
has it in him to tank for for a season, just given how competitive he seems to be. And given his age, I don't know that he really wants to do a long-term rebuild type thing, even though that looks like what this team is headed towards. I mean, are, are they, are they purposefully tanking or are they just having a terrible off season and, but they, they think they're making good decisions because frankly, like that happens in the NFL a lot, like a lot of bad decisions get made while those people making those decisions think they're doing the right thing. And obviously that's why there's so much turnover when it comes to, to coaches and GMs and quarterbacks and all of that, like, are the Seahawks tanking on purpose or is this just a really horrendous offseason in your opinion? Well, it's funny because whichever lens you're looking through changes drastically how you feel about their offseason. I, I personally think that they're having a pretty good offseason. I think they drafted well. I think the Will Disley contract's a little bit confusing, but I think they can get out a lot of the money there. Um, but yeah, if they're going mean, to, if it was me, I would say, yeah, let's roll with Drew Locke. Why not? And, Go tap into next year's, uh, you know, class of quarterbacks that we expect to be really good. We've got two first-round picks at our disposal, and um, that sounds good to me. Um, yeah, but, if, yeah, you're right. If they're not, if they truly think that they have a shot to compete in the division, then, yeah, it's really foolish, and it's hard to, to understand – where it's headed from here. And it's like they're lost in the woods all of a sudden. And, you know, the game plan went out the window and uh, now they're just sort of scrambling to figure it out. Um, I guess I will just give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt that um, they know they're as eyes wide open about where they're at uh, competitively talent wise in comparison to the rest of the division and the NFC at large. Um, so I think they've done okay. I don't think they could have gotten a whole lot more for Russell Wilson, who's on the wrong side of 30, has waning athleticism, didn't play super well when healthy this year outside of a couple of games, didn't play well at the end of the 2020 season. Um, the back half after being the, the you know leader in the clubhouse for MVP the first half of that season. Uh, he also had a full no trade clause. So I don't I don't I didn't hate that trade. I think Noah Fant's a, a real talented player that you know, why not get him back? Um, so yeah, I, I guess I'm just going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they know what they're doing here, at least from the standpoint of walking into this season, eyes wide open of sure, trying to be competitive, but also not, you know, investing a huge amount into guys who, you know, you don't think you're ultimately going to win with down the road. All right. So I'm pulling up the win bet betting lines for the NFC West. Um, we have the 49ers are at the they're over unders 10. Um, what, which side of that are you on? Yeah, I'm on the under for the Niners and the Cardinals. And I think oh. at, at worst, I, I split those. Um, you know, I just banking on they won 10 games last year and now they've got Trey Lance in there. And I'm not bullish on Lance. I just. To me, that's why you give him reps as a rookie. And I know they were wanting to compete for a championship, but I, there's going to be growing pains. I'll never forget when Russell Wilson starred over Matt Flynn in 2012, and he had some rough games out of the gate, but he was so much better for it. Um, and you just can't tell me that if he's a week one starter, especially given how tough things were for the Niners out of the gate, 
they wouldn't have had the same ceiling of being able to sneak into the playoffs as a wild card team. And he wouldn't have gotten better as the year went on. And all of a sudden Niners fans would be feeling so much differently. The unknowns wouldn't be there in regard to Trey Lance. So I, yeah, I'd probably go under. Um, and then I'd probably go under with the Cardinals and I would bet the Rams that, you know, a little bit of plus money to win the division. That's really the only bet I will put in is the Rams to win the division. It's interesting though. If you look at the Seahawks, what's the Seahawks over under what's the, what's the over, uh, was it five and a half? Yeah. So it's five and a half. The over is minus minus one forty. The under is plus plus one twenty five. which is interesting because that means the betting market thinks the Seahawks are going to win games. Um, you know, not be in full tank mode. And I sort of agree. I think there's, it's, it's just, I see this team finding ways to hang around. It's going to be ugly and they'll, they'll win a few games. They have no business winning and they'll, they'll be pretty good team against the spread. You look at what they did with Geno Smith, the quarterback last year, that Russell Wilson, they were competitive in each and every one of those games. Um, they didn't win many of them. They didn't, they didn't close, but they had opportunities too. So um, I am sort of, you know, I think it, I thought that was interesting last week on my show when I previewed the NFC West. I was like, huh, you know, for all the talk of how bad the Seahawks have been, the betting market thinks that they're going to win six games. That's a pretty big, uh, it's, a, it's quite a bit of juice on a win total. I'm not sure if you'll find any, uh, whether it's an over or an under for any team that's juiced more significantly. So I thought that was really interesting. All right, I'll get you out of here on this. One more Seahawks question, which is pertinent to the 49ers, because I think it, he's is, – is DK Metcalf the Seahawks' best player right now? Anyway, is is how do you think that contract is going – or that those contract negotiations are going to go? And is DK Metcalf going to be a Seahawk for the foreseeable future with the new deal before the season starts? Yeah, I think he is. I, I don't think – I don't think they're going to trade him. Um, you know, he is their best draft pick over the last – three or four years um, end of the second round. He's been an absolute stud. I would say he probably is their best player. Um, you know, you could argue Quandre Diggs. You could argue uh, if there's sort of a career resurrection for Jamal Adams. I mean, it's a guy who's got an all pro under his belt. So, um, but yeah, I mean, DK, I would say pretty confidently is their best player. And I do expect it to get done just as I expect Debo to get done. Okay. Well, plug your stuff, and uh, we appreciate you coming on. Where can uh, where can people find your work? Yeah, on Twitter at Joe underscore fan and the Bet to Win podcast. Wherever you listen to uh, to this fine podcast, the good old Chronicles of Candlestick. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I look forward to seeing you at some point, whenever it happens. It's been way too long, and uh, we always appreciate you bringing that alpha energy on the podcast. And hopefully, we can uh, we can play golf. Uh, at some point in the not too distant future. Amen, man. Great, uh, great having you. Or great chatting with you. Appreciate you having me on. Um, I look forward to chatting soon, man. Enjoy uh, the rest of your downtime before training camp begins. Enjoy Tahoe, and, and yeah, man, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. Maybe I'll come visit you in Vegas at some point. Sounds good. All right, Joe fan, everybody, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts, and we will talk to you next week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. 
magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.